Welcome to the Creative Chats Podcast with Mike Brennan. Welcome, friends, to another episode of Creative Chats. It's the podcast for artists, makers, and content creators, where we talk about creativity, the creative process, and story. I'm your host, Mike Brennan. You can connect with me over on Instagram. I'm at MikeBone. And if you'd like to see some of my visual art, you can do so on my website, which is MikeBrennan.me. I would also love to have you become part of our community, which is called Daily Creative Habit. It's a free Facebook group, and if you go to dailycreativehabit.com, it'll forward you right to the request page, and we can't wait to see you in there. It's filled with all sorts of creative people, writers, visual artists, musicians, videographers, I mean, you name it. There are people in there who have raised their hands saying, I want to show up more consistently for my creativity and craft. And so if that speaks to you, if you have been longing to be more engaged with that creative part of you, even if you have a creative day job, maybe that's not scratching the itch, right? Because that work has to do with clients and committees and all sorts of work that you're leveraging for somebody else's project. But you still need a space where you can create the thing that you long to create, a place where you can play, where you can experiment, where you can make some mistakes and just have some fun and do some work that actually feeds your soul. So if that's you, I wanna again, invite you over to dailycreativehabit.com and we look forward to having you as a part of our group. So for this week's episode, I am bringing you part two of my interview with Jeb Wright. He is the founder of Classic Rock Revisited, a website that hosts thousands of interviews with rock stars and classic rock bands and we had an amazing conversation so much so that i needed to split it in two because i didn't want you to miss out he not only talks about uh some particulars surrounding some interviews he had with these uh, rock bands but in this episode he actually talks about what's next his writing and how he is embracing becoming an author and so I wanted to make sure that you guys heard about that part of his journey as well. So I'm going to get out of the way. But, you know, last week I left you with a cliffhanger. So if you didn't if you didn't listen to, to the last week's episode, you got to go back and listen to that and then continue on with this week. Because Jed picks up where he left off last time, answering my question about what do you do when you have an interview with somebody and it's just going south? You know, it's not a great interview. How do you navigate that? So he shares some specifics and mentions some names. And so I'm going to get out of the way and let you listen to part two of my interview, my creative chat with Jeb Wright. Uh, it was one, one of them was a hair guy and it was, and I'll say his name. I don't, I don't have to worry anymore. Uh, they were eighties band called Dawkin. And Don oh, yeah. Dawkin, yeah, Don Dawkin was their singer. And Don is a nice enough guy, I suppose, but he's kind of got a little rep that he likes himself a lot, you know. So I knew, I knew he was, you know, I really, and I don't care. It's not my cup of tea. I don't hate it, but it's it was not one I was passionate about. I was like, more like, I'm going to do this. We're going to build build credibility. And I got on the phone. I don't know if he was asleep or hungover or what, but it was like one word answers, you know, like tell tell me about the new album. It's like that's Dawkin. You know, it was, I mean, oh, it was horrible. And in that case, I finally, after about 10 minutes, I said, first off, I don't even know if this is you, Don, because it was on the phone. And uh, uh, I, I almost hope it isn't because this is the worst interview I've ever done. And I said, as a matter of fact, I'm going to I'm going to go. <laughs> 
And he said, what? And I said, it's not personal, but this isn't going well. I said, I'm, I'm, I'm done. And we said goodbye. <laughs> and, and that was it. Now, the one that turned the other way was another guy that he's not with us anymore. Uh, his name was Kevin Dubrow. And he was a singer for Quiet Riot. You know, bang your head. Yes, was yeah, just, yeah, yeah. Come on, feel the noise and that yeah. kind of stuff. And we ended up becoming really, really good buddies, too, before he passed away over over the 20 year period. But this was the first time we met. It was in a hotel room. It was later at night, probably after a show. He did not want to be doing an interview. And I could tell he was doing better than Don, but he, it was it sucked, you know, and I was I, and, and I like that old first time. It was nostalgic for me because I was like 16 when that came out. and That was a big album, you know. Yeah. So I was a little disappointed in myself. And he had a music playing in the background. And and this is where I am a rock nerd and I know music that no one in their right mind should know about. He was playing an album by a band called Bloodwind Pig that in the late 60s, early 70s, somewhere in that era, they had a few minor hits in England, never in the States. The only reason anyone knew them was I'm a huge Jethro Tull fan. I'm, I'm a big Jethro Tull fan. And Bloodwind Pig's guitarist played on the first Jethro Tull album. So that's only reason I even knew about him was for the Toll Connection. Well, I heard it on one of our moments of silence. And I said, so are you listening to Bloodwind Pig? <laughs> <laughs> and he turned out to be as big a rock nerd as me. He's like, you know, Bloodwind Pig. <laughs> and we started talking music, not him, not mm -hmm. the band, not anything going on. And we spent about a half hour not doing an interview and just talking about bands. And then finally he was like, well, let's go ahead and do this interview. And it was killer. Mm -hmm. And I so one time I overcame it. One time I gave up. One time I got kind of lambasted because I was I was interviewing a guy named Rick Emmett at Triumph. And he's a fabulous guitar player. But he had like a 30 year career outside of Triumph that I didn't know anything about. And I wasn't asking him about it. And he kind of <laughs> he kind of reminded me that he had a, you know, a lot of life after that. Band. And I took it, you know, and I even printed it and it ended up getting a lot of hits and and they're another one that we ended up kind of becoming friends with that band. And uh, so, so yeah, you have to be on your toes, man. You really do. There's been others where, I mean, it's rock and roll, you know? Yeah. I mean, Jim Dandy of Black Oak, Arkansas was, was, you could hear him. You could hear the bong getting hit as we were talking. You know? <laughs> I mean, and by, by 10 minutes into it, he was just out in left field. I mean, there, there's all kinds of weird moments. And then in person, I did a lot, I'm talking about phoners, but I did a lot of interviews at shows too. And, and there, the challenge was always, they got to go on and play and mm -hmm. they got to eat and they got to warm up. And it was like, okay, I got, I got 20 minutes here. I don't have an hour. I don't, you know, I got 20 minutes and I got to get them in a good mood and we got to do it. Those were fun. Those were challenges, you know, and, uh, and I did pretty good with that. one. You know, I, 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 I just I think it came across what you said. You know, it was like, I'm ready. I'm prepared. I had no notes and I'm talking about their new album. That nobody's heard because nobody wanted to hear their new stuff. And you start there. So I don't know if I answered your question exactly. Yeah. But yeah, uh, but yeah, it was it was there. There were. And of course, Mike, there's somewhere they're just these guys are people. Everyone forgets they're people. Yep. Sometimes they have a bad day. Sometimes they're tired. And all, I won't name this guy because it would be mean because he's a nice guy. But I got to interview a guitar player that I really like. And I found out he just was a dull person. <laughs> <laughs> 
it, that was hard because I'm trying to, he wasn't short answering me because he was being rude. He just was very mild mannered. And, and I don't think he liked bragging, you know, yeah. and, and, and that was a bummer, you know, but my goal is, I think, you know, this from, you've done a lot of interviews. I interviewed over a thousand classic rock stars. It's, it's uh, there's a point in the chat where you know, you got good stuff. Mm-hmm. You feel it. You feel that you feel that two way thing going on. You know, it's not just you. It's not canned. Yep. You've got good stuff. That's what I lived for because there were canned. There were guys that were doing 20 interviews a day to yep. promote something. And you get your 15 minutes and they're going to tell you the same. Thing. Okay, fine. You know, I'll do that because usually the real big names <laughs> when they're, when they're able to do that, but it's when you could get with them and you could, you could just get, with. I did it with Oz one time mm. if i if, if i can tell you that story sure, yeah uh, i was interviewing oz he had a book out called dr ozzy it was a uh, it's a hilarious book it's a self it's like a uh, ann landers except ann landers is ozzy <laughs> so he took all yeah he took all these questions from fans and uh, uh so so i start out and i'm like you know oz has been doing this on 20 minute increments all through the day they just set them up a press day so i'm like what can i say to ozzy well i love the show the osbournes um, I was not parent of the year because I'm, you know, me and my 13 year old daughter are watching the Osborns every week. <laughs> my wife's going like, what have I done? You know, uh, and Ozzy in this one episode was just hooked on burritos. He was eating burrito, burrito, burrito. So we started it off and I said, Ozzy, before we get into this, I need help. <laughs> He's like, okay. What, what is it you need Jen? And, uh, I said, I'm hooked on burritos just like you were. I can't get enough of my, I've got to eat. I mean, I am desperately hooked on burritos i've got to have burritos what is your advice to get me off burritos and he goes oh hmm. switch to pizza <laughs> <laughs> and then though we were on a totally different wavelength you know and uh and we had a great chat but that's what i like to do i wanted to connect i had another life that you don't know about and i don't even know if, if amy knows about i i had a career before this when I worked several years as a substance abuse counselor for, for teenagers. Mm. And, and I used to say all the time, you know, people would say, is it, is it, is it, Oh, you know, do you, do you need to help everyone? Do you think, you know, they're all going to go, they're young, they're going to go back out and get high and you're going to feel like a fill. And I said, my goal isn't to help them after they leave. My help is to help every one of them while they're here, you know, while they're in my care, I can do what I can to help them. Once they're gone, I can't do that. So it was kind of that same attitude at the interview. It's like, while I got you, I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to get something out of it. Yeah. And those were the most fulfilling moments. Yeah. I love that you said it was about connecting. Because I think, you know, when you strip away the industry stuff and all the like things that you're supposed to do and the things everybody else is doing, and you're simply just two people sitting down having a conversation and you're curious and you're like, Hey, I actually want to know about you. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, let's talk about like the specific songs and, and whatever, you know, is around that. But like, you know, who are you? Like, how is, how is who you are? How does that affect what you have created? And I think that's the stuff where, that's more meaningful, I think, to the person who's mm-hmm. answering those questions. And then also, I think, for the, the the people who are fans, the people who are listening to an interview or reading something, because they're like, you're giving me an opportunity to connect as well. Like, you have the, the opportunity to connect. 
because you were with the person, but now you're giving me an opportunity yeah. to connect as well and appreciate that person, what they bring to the table, appreciate maybe a, a part of their story I didn't know anything about. And maybe it all of a sudden brings light to a certain song that, oh, now that makes more sense because I have a brief window into this person's experiences or their interests or whatever it is that they just shared. You know, that's special, you know? It is, you nailed it. I couldn't have said it any better, man. You. That's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. Love that. So you mentioned, you said thousands. Do you happen to know the exact number of interviews no. you did? No. I am the world's worst archivist. <laughs> <laughs> I have baskets of mini cassettes is what we used back in the beginning. You know, just, just the little tiny cassette, my yeah. little cassette recorder I could walk around. Then we, then we went to where we could do them digitally. So I've got files on that. No, I just kind of estimate 20 years. I know I did three to six interviews a month. You can just kind of start doing the math. It's a, it's just a ton. Uh, but no, I don't, I don't, no. I'm, I'm, I'm a nerd, but I'm not, I'm not that, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, what's the word you, I'm not that impulsive or compulsive of a nerd. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And I wish, you know, I've had people, as I just had a guy that's writing a book on a band and he was like, we're friends. And he was like, Hey, do you got any old interviews with this band? I was like, I'm sure I do. <laughs> he's, I'm like, when do you need them? And he's like, oh, within three days. I was like, Oh, that's not going to happen. <laughs> you know, it didn't take me a month to find these things. Uh, yeah. So, so no, I, I've not been, I was not good that way. Yeah, that's that's a special skill that's that people have. Uh, usually, creative types don't necessarily have that dialed in. They leave no. it to people who are like accountants and other people who are just better at organizing things. Usually, um, yep, that's funny. So, but all the stuff is still on your website. You said right, people can just go and check out. I mean, I still I, there, right? <laughs> sure, I still. It doesn't have the full twenty years because there were at one time, you know, there were size limitations, so I'd have to take stuff down. But it's got hundreds. I mean, there's a bunch. They can go there and look at stuff. And, and the interviews, being that they, yeah, a lot of them are are featured with some of the new stuff. But we always get into the the history of the band, so there's some really really great ones on there. I haven't gone back and read read them for a long time, but mm. I'm kind of, you know. I think one day I'd like to, you know, just pick one out, you know, and, and, and read it. But uh, as you know, there's something special when you interview people, it's just something cool. It's a, mm -hmm. it's a different connection you make. Yeah. And uh, uh, that that's, if, if I miss anything, that's, I don't miss the hard work. I don't miss the 530 AMs. I, I don't miss the, the constant answering emails. I miss that. Yeah. I don't yeah. even miss the music. I still listen to the music, but I mean, it's not even about the passion of the music. It's I miss the connection to make with another person on an interview because it's different than a friendship. It's different than a random meeting at a store or a party. It's, yeah. it's a focused interaction that if you can make that meaningful, then you've got something you're going to remember the rest of your life, you know? Yeah. People sometimes ask me about podcasting and they're like, you know, here you are a visual artist. What was it that made you think that you could actually do a podcast and like, you know, have some relative success with it as far as people resonating with what you're talking about. And, you know, thankfully I've had people say to me that they feel like, you know, I'm really good with asking questions and leading an interview. Um, and I say it's because I'm curious and I'm just asking mm -hmm. questions that are interesting to me. And I think if they're interesting to me, they're going to be interesting to other people. And the, the whole ability to be able to sit down with somebody, I'm like, I've had some people on the show that like, I wouldn't necessarily have, 
have the opportunity because, you know, it's kind of like the old Chris Farley um, skit from Saturday Night Live, you know, where it's, <laughs> hey, remember when you did that thing? It was really cool. <laughs> That's what the conversation would be, right? Like, exactly. there's no reason for me to be able to talk to somebody in a normal situation as just a fan of their work or whatever. But right. suddenly, because I have a podcast and I have a platform and an audience that I can share and say, hey, I want to actually serve you because I think what you do and what you've done has some value and merit and can help other people. Um, I want to be the connector for that. And I want to do whatever I can to leverage whatever this platform is, however long I have it, whatever happens to do that for the sake of making somebody feel valued, of helping the people who are listening. And then the, the bonus of I get to connect with somebody again and have conversations with people that would never happen otherwise. And sometimes mm -hmm. there's opportunities that come out of that that somebody's like, hey, you know what? Like, uh, I really just hit it off with you. And, um, oh, they find out that, you know, I do graphic design or they find out, you know, like I have all these paintings behind me and they're like, hey, I would love to, you know, talk about maybe working together on a, on a different type of project. Um, and so you just really never know where those opportunities may come from, right? Right. No, I agree. What is it that you, that kept you coming back again and again to, do these interviews besides the, 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 the love of the music, besides wanting to connect, like, was there anything else that you thought like, okay, as this is growing, you're doing more things. Was there like an end game? Was there a, we, we have to raise the bar because of the next level or. I always wanted to get to the, the, the bigger bands that I loved and some I did and some I didn't, but. I will be honest, Mike, I, I was not in it for that. It, it really was love. I love doing it, which I can't believe I walked. No one could believe it when I said I'm done. Yeah. It's like what? This is the truth. The Nuge, uh, Nugent texted me <laughs> and said, are you sick? Are you, are you, is your health okay? And I was like, yeah. And he goes, I heard you're not, I heard you're shutting the site down. He goes, the only way you do that is if, you're ill. I'm worried. And I was like, no, man, I'm not dying. You know, I was like, <laughs> uh, you know, so I had, uh, I just, I, I loved it. I loved it. That is, I looked at everyone, everything I did is a pleasure. And, you know, I kind of can move around there. I mean, you can see my background in my office, you know, yeah. the albums back there. Can I walk around and show you a little bit? You sure. know, Cause this is, this was me, you know, I mean, you know, I got, I got a golden platinum album everything you're seeing is a gift. I didn't buy any mm. of this stuff, you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, all my, all my records I've got on the wall there above my desk there, everything's autographed, you know? And, uh, and that's just a quick little peek. I gave you, there's a lot of it. Sure. Uh, uh, it just for me was who I was. And it, even at the day job, uh, you know, I would walk into the president of the company and, and say, uh, Hey, Joe, uh, uh, I need, I need to scoot out tomorrow for about an hour at, at 10. And he'd be like, who are you interviewing? I'd be like, Joe Walsh of the Eagles. And he's like, <laughs> okay, go ahead. <laughs> it, I kind of got known as the rock guy. So there was some identity. I suppose that is a, a fair answer question. I did kind of build a little bit of the rock guy identity out of it, but to be totally gut level honest, this was an honor and a passion the whole way. My only thing was, and, and if we, we can get real honest here, yeah. Uh, 
I struggled with, uh, with self-esteem, even though I was doing this out of the small town in Kansas and I was successful, it took me quitting to realize I was successful. I always didn't think, I thought, no, if I was successful, I would, I'd have Pink Floyd. I'd have, I'd do this full time. I'd be flying coast to coast, all these things. And I set myself up for some failure, you know, or, mm. or some that robbed me of some joy. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't fail. No, I was good enough, you know, even though I wasn't, you know, invited to be the editor of Rolling Stone or whatever, you know, uh, but I did, I did keep up behind because I thought I should be even bigger. I really did. And now looking back, A, with a little bit of age and stuff and, the, and, and able to look back, A, it wasn't as important probably as I was making it. And B, uh, I'd like to meet someone else from Arc City, Kansas, who did what I did. Because <laughs> sure. yeah. there aren't any. I, I really did. I, I can look back now with a different perspective and go, wow, I accomplished something. Yeah. You know, and I'm proud. I'm both proud of it and, and humbled by it at the same time. Have you ever been that way? Oh, yeah. Because, you know, people think of proud as boisterous and ego. I don't mean it like that. I'm, I'm proud of what I did, but it's it's humbling. Yeah. It just yeah. is humbling. I'm just a guy. How did I do this? And I wish I would have, I wish I would have had that perspective a little more because I beat myself up a lot. I really did. I thought, you know, you know, we'd go after, I don't know, Jimmy Page and Rolling Stone would get him. And maybe even an online guy like that's a corporate ultimate classic Rocky. If you'd read the interview, they'd suck. and be like, I would have been so much better. You know? <laughs> and, 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 and because of the limitations and, and things, I, I didn't get the opportunity and, and I would, I'd be mean to myself a little bit, man. And I that's my one regret is I didn't, I didn't always appreciate everything I had. I think mm-hmm. I did appreciate it, but, but not, not in the way I appreciate it looking back. Yeah. So do I still wish I would have interviewed Paige? Hell yeah, man. Zeppelin's was my band, you know, <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, it didn't happen, but no, I never had a master plan. I never thought, I mean, I wanted it to happen, but, Living in a small town, <laughs> yeah, by choice, in the middle of nowhere, and being able to have my second life, ah, dude, it was awesome. <laughs> it yeah. was just, it was just awesome. Yeah, yeah. So, with that coming to a close, right? I know now you're working on a book, right? Can you tell us just a little bit about that? Uh, yeah, I'm beating myself up with this one too because I haven't been able to find a publisher. <laughs> So I, I, I didn't learn my lesson, you know, and, and also early on when you said there's something to the guy, you know, how does he know what to do? Why do you get this done? You know, how do you figure it out? Uh, that's me now. I, I don't know, man. I'm struggling with it. Uh, I'm in the creative phase. I had a goal at, at some point to, when, when I wanted to leave. I thought I want to write. I, I don't just want to write reviews and I don't just want to write, you know, concert reviews and things which is, there's nothing wrong with them I, I love them but i wanted to try and i have a friend that he's a, a crime writer crime book writer his name's chad sanborn and he's also a student of writing he 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 is a god he's gonna kill me if you see this because he won't he's like a mentor he gets paid to mentor people he's yeah. so knowledgeable on how to do this well we've known each other since high school and so he kind of has taken me under his wing and, and given me some advice for free that, that that's just blown me away. And I, I wrote a couple of books and, and each one wasn't quite good enough. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was, but then you realize it's not. And I finally have got to a point where he's taught me a lot of what to do. And then there's a, I've had another mentor named, named uh, uh, Barbara Brooker. 
and and she also is a writer and, and she's helped me a lot. And and I've just decided to give it a go. Just it's kind of the same as what I did before, only you actually have to work really hard to write a whole book. You can't just buy a CD and, and call a phone number. Yeah. Um, but I've written a book, and of course, there's a musical element to it. Uh, it's called 90125. And uh, if you're a Yes fan, they had an album called 90125 in the 80s. And, and the protagonist of this story is a, uh, a Yes fan. And, and, and so the album is mentioned. It's kind of its own little character, really. But it's a very personal, fictional tale. If, if, you, want me, you want me to give you a little synopsis? Yeah, yeah, just a little bit. Yeah, sure. Just a tiny one, yeah. Um, one of the things, and, and I think you know this too, all art and all creativity comes from insight. Even if it's fiction, it ain't all fiction, man. Yeah. You know, you're, you're, you're borrowing from real life, you know, just like every rock song in the world's borrowed from another rock song before it, you know. Uh, uh, so, so one of the things I struggled with uh, growing up, it was, was leaving the past behind. You know, and and it, look what I do. I mean, the classic rock for twenty years. You know, I wasn't living in the modern day. You know? <laughs> uh, but it was it was a thing for me that, that it was hard to do. So I wanted to I wanted to tell a story about a guy that was in his fifties and and was looking around at the world and thinking, you know, okay, I've done okay, but what's next? What now? And instead of getting that question answered, he uh, he has his best friend knock on the door who committed suicide in 1984. And so there is, uh, he's a ghost hmm. and uh, uh, I won't give everything away, but basically he's come back to help him let go of the past because he knows something that's going to happen that the protagonist doesn't know and that he's going to have to grow up in a hurry. And then the fun part of it is in order to, to let go of the past, they go revisit it. So hmm we get to go back to the eighties type thing. And, and, and nice. you're probably a lot better guy than me, but back in the eighties, I, uh, I kind of took the sex, drugs, rock and roll saying as, as, as the way to live. You know? And so did my character. So I borrow upon some fun experiences and some tragic experiences from that time. And then the whole thing looks like it's, it's this lesson to let go of the past. And it is, but the true thing you discover is, uh, that the these two men these two guys the, the one that came back you know to revisit them it's a love story they that's a platonic love story. they love each other and they've they've spent 30 years apart because of the suicide and and they rekindle the friendship and the and by revisiting these places and also they get to look at it from an adult perspective instead of a teenage perspective mm. as they as they're re-experiencing the past so that's a real heady way of saying it you know but but it, it, I wanted to do something that's important to me. And that is to, 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 I mean, I'm real into relationships and I have friends that are very dear to me. And, and as I said, all truth is all fiction has some truth. Um, I have a friend, he did not commit suicide, but he's no longer with us. And uh, he's kind of borrowed his personality for my one character. So it was so emotional to have, to make up conversations that we would have today, yeah. you know, that we don't get to have. And, and so, it's as you can tell it's kind of a, a it's not a real unique tale i mean other people have told stories similar but but it's told with the spin of the 80s and and with the the yes album and then with a lot of funny stuff i mm. think i i hope i i would be willing to bet because you're not the only person i've talked to i uh 
I get described sometimes of having kind of a, a, a good sense of humor <laughs> and, and uh, from some crazy stuff that's been done, you know, and I have some yeah. good stories. So I took this opportunity to kind of relive a little of that too, but I, it's been the hardest thing I've ever done, Mike, mm. uh, to actually do this to the point it's done. I mean, it's, done. it's, you don't write a book, you write a book about nine times you know, is what exactly. I've learned, you know, yeah. uh, and then you have to edit it and you have to prove it. And then, yep. and now I'm at the point of, of trying to decide how to market it. And that is just so overwhelming to a, a an idiot in a small town that, that talks to rock stars. I mean, I'm overwhelmed. I'm like, I, I don't know what to do. I mean, I get it. I've tried traditional publishing and, and I haven't found much. I mean, it, I, I get told, I do get feedback, which a lot of people don't. I've got some great feedback. It's like, man, we really like what you're right, but we really want to write about modern. And I'm like, well, if you would pay attention, I am. <laughs> you know? mm. <laughs> uh, but it doesn't fit the mold of what they're trying to sell at this point. And I right. get that. And then self-publishing is terrifying to me. You know, I, oh, I'm overwhelmed. Uh, yeah. um, so those are my challenges now is to overcome those things. I, I think it's a lot of um, what you've already experienced is is still coming to play. It's you showing up, you figuring out how to do it, and it's you, you know, rigging overhead microphones over a speakerphone, and you know, that's it, because it's new. You know, it's it's something that you're you're trying to figure out. And, you know, thankfully, you can surround yourself with enough people who maybe have some experience who can mentor you, like you said, a little bit and help you with a path that they're familiar with and that you're not. And um, when you start to just show up even more, you learn that. And then there'll come a point, like you've shared so many of these experiences you've had, it'll be in the rear view and you'll be able to pass that along to somebody else who's where you are right now. And they're like, I hope so know what to do i don't know how to do this right <laughs> that's really what i think it's all about i will say it's been the most creative thing i've ever done as far as tapping into that and i don't i'm not an artist you know my mom's a professional artist and that to me is an artist you know and you're a visual artist i'm just writing stuff you know? but you're creative yeah. that's what it is and your creativity comes out in in a bunch of different ways um, and it's all, it, all that stuff comes from the same place. I think it's when you sit down and you go, I want to make something. And whether that something is visual art, whether it's music, whether it's writing, acting, it doesn't really matter. It's just an expression of that thing that says, I want to make something and I want to impact somebody. I'm, I'm turning the tables here, going back to my old self, I guess I'm asking you a question, but do you find that, and, and I don't want to label this, I'm not a labeler, I, I'm not going to say it's Christian, it's Buddhist, it's the universe, it's whatever, but when when it's good, when you're in that zone, it's a feeling, that creative zone is what I'm talking mm -hmm. about, you yeah. know, that, that, that moment, it's a, it's a, it's a spiritual meaning of, of life that's hard, when you and me have a hard time putting something into words, you know it's deep. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Some people have called it flow. The flow. Yeah. Story. Yeah. It's, it's unlike, and this, this experience with this started now, now I started this in October and I finished my first draft in November. So I, I, I really went quick and then I've been refining it up until about two weeks ago. <laughs> I just yeah. finished, but yeah. still, you know, 
something like that, it's not too bad a time frame. I do work pretty good. I work pretty fast. And I'm at the point now I've trusted a few people to read it and uh, that are giving me feedback, not even people I know. If you want to read it, I would send it to you because I don't know you. And, <laughs> uh, those are the people I want to. But uh, sure. uh, that that is where I'm at because I, I want to learn from it. But it is the feeling of the emotion. It's not emotion's not even the right word. You know, it's not happy, sad. It's, it's uh, when you're, when I create, it's just something, it's like feeding the heart. You know what I mean? It's, it, yeah. I, it's, it's just amazing. And yeah. writing isn't as cool as rock and roll. <laughs> it's not, it's not as cool. It's not as glamorous. Uh, it's very solitude. I'm a very social person. So it's, it's been a great experience for me to be that folk inward. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's unlike anything I've done, even with the writing I have done, the, not as a novel. I never thought I'd be a novel. See, and have you ever done that with your stuff? It's like, I never thought I'd do yep. this. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I, I think some of that, mean. some of that comes with age too, where you start to get a different perspective on things and you realize like, you know, I put those people on a pedestal and I thought that they had something that I didn't but really they were just willing to show up and figure it out. And, yeah. and you find out that there are a lot more people who don't really know what they're doing, but they just show up. <laughs> and then it takes the pressure off. <laughs> You're right, man. Yeah. And, and I need to, I probably need to capture some of that with this, but this is my new gig. I, if I could be half as successful as, as classic rock revisited, I'd be pretty thrilled. But uh uh, I don't do it. I didn't do classic rock revision for myself. And musicians will say this and, and they'll say, I write music for me. I was, I'm not like that. I'm not writing. Of course I'm writing it for me. I'm writing it, but I don't want it to just sit on a hard drive. I want people to read. Yeah. I think there's a message and there's something helpful. Um, uh, even if it is not the flavor of the month, you know, that there's something in it. And I was drawn to it. You know, when I was outlining my ideas and doing the things I was taught, I was like going, huh, because really what I wanted to do um, was write a book about a, a concert. I went and saw the 90125 tour and and I don't know what kind of audience you have, so I'll keep it very nice. But it was a crazy night. <laughs> it was it was the 80s. I was young and we were we were nuts. And it was a funny story, you know, about a two day lost going you know down the highways. And uh, as you crazy, it's your typical road trip story, but there's some very funny, very funny stuff to it. And I always thought that'd be a good thing to write a book around. And I ended up writing a book around it that was nothing like I thought I would write a book mm-hmm. around. Yeah. You know, yeah. not even not even close. I was like, I don't even need the concert. I could probably take it out. You know? <laughs> yeah. uh, but that's the thing, man. If nothing happens, nothing happens. I have a good friend. Uh, I don't know how big a music 80s, you big 80s music fan at all or. Oh, yeah, I was that was that was my high school and a little bit of college. Okay. So, yeah. Do, do you know, have you heard of a guitar player named Steve Vai? Oh, yeah. I saw him okay. um, actually probably about six years ago, you know, more recently. So, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Cool. I still love it. And matter of fact, his his guitar, um, I wanted his his guitar, the gem, you know, with the little monkey handle. Sure. Whatever, right? But I yep. couldn't afford that. And then I years later, I saved up to have something custom done. And I ended up copying the pickup style that he had on that guitar. Oh, cool. Yeah. Well, what I was going to say is, is after this was a strange thing. After 
I quit Classic Rock Visited two years ago. I was emailing everybody I'd interviewed that I'd become friendly, not always friends, but friendly, business yeah. friendly, you know, whatnot. And Steve was on that list because he was always a great guy to me. And, and he said something in, my, in his response to my email that struck me. It was very almost Zen sounding, you know. So me being who I am, I said, hey, Steve, what'd you mean by this? <laughs> and he said, you really want to know. And we got into a big email conversation back and forth. And it turns out he's a very grounded and spiritual guy. Mm. I mean, and he's kind of mentored me over the last couple of years, just on life, getting older, you know, so, you know, because uh, here's a guy that, that has everything a guy could want. And, yeah. and he's grounded and he's married. You know, he went through the whole David Lee Roth tour after Van Halen split up. He was Dave's guitar yep. player. He went through that and remained faithful to his wife. So I'm like, if you can do that on a David Lee Roth tour in 1985, <laughs> you're a good man. You know? Yeah. Uh, but he told me so because I've struggled with it. I'm like, look, you write music and stuff and you've had great success. But but, you know, I'm writing and I'm trying to be creative and and I don't have that audience you have, and I want it, and I desire it, you know. And he said, he goes, you're going to think I'm probably being facetious, but I'm not. He goes, you need to have faith that everyone that needs to read your book will read your book. He said, period. And he said, you may not believe this, but that's what I do with my music. Everyone that needs to hear it will hear it. Yeah. I don't know if that's 1,000. I don't know if it's one. I don't know if it's a million. But I just go forth and create saying everyone that's going to need this we'll find it. Yeah. And that kind of blew me away, man. You know, I was like, everyone that needs to read my book, read it. So I hope a lot of people need to read it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you so much for this time. We're at the top of our time uh, right now, sure. but uh, I know that your story is going to continue on and uh, where can people find you? How can they keep tabs on what you're doing? Uh, is there an easy way for them to, to follow up with you? No. <laughs> 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 just like hey, I don't mind confessing it. When this was Zoom, I started sweating a bit. I was like, "Uh oh, yeah, this isn't a micro cassette recorder. What am I going to do?" Uh, uh, yeah, you can. There's not many Jeb rights on Facebook, so I yeah. mean, you know, I, I do have. I'm fairly private about it. The site is still there, though. Classic Rock Revisited. You can check out the site, and there's an email there, and they, I get it. Great. Okay. You know, we'll we'll point people as there. I. As I continue, if this book thing starts going somewhere, of course, we'll do the we'll do the normal social media stuff. Yeah. So I would like to say, if that begins to happen, could I come back? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have a whole other conversation about that stuff for sure. Yeah. All because, right. you know, what? I love that it's it's not just people who are like, hey, I've done this great thing. And, you know, again, like putting up on a pedestal and people going like, that's what I want. That's where I want to get to. It's not always what's what's in front of somebody. Sometimes it's it's who's alongside people, people who are in the trenches together. And right now people have this little window to your world of you going, yeah, I'm figuring this out. This is a new thing for me. <laughs> I have the, the past experiences of all that stuff, but now this is a new thing. And I'm I'm figuring it out as I go and just being real and honest about this stuff. So love that. And I think that's when people really um, can learn, not just again by the successes, but also by what's happening currently. They're learning alongside of you. And so um, I know it's going to be a great encouragement to all the people who are listening right now, whatever it is they're trying to create. Um to, to, to show up, to go for it, to, uh, to take your example. Thank you. 
Thanks for listening today. I'd appreciate it if you would subscribe, leave a rating and a review. It really helps this podcast be seen and heard by others.